Carlton Foot. No, we're thankful he's here. Ready to preach to us this evening. Thank you, brother. Uh, thank you, brother. Hi, Rachel. I don't know if you know. Somebody broke the. We we had a. Uh, I was going to surprise. My wife and I were going to surprise. We're, my wife Sherry is down here. Came along with me. Thankful for that. And we were going to surprise, but somebody ruined the surprise. Where's Brother Gear? <laughs> oh, there you are, brother. <laughs> hey, it's all right. It's all right. It's so good to be here tonight. And uh, if you want to know what I had to live with, I had to live with Rachel's dad. And uh, let me give you a little little hint of what he's like, because i got to break the ice here, because i I got to do something. He said, if you want to know what my brother would look like as a girl, just look at Rachel. And I'm like, man. <laughs> that's what I had to live with. I'm telling you, man, that's what I had to live with. And, uh, am I right? I don't know how you survive the house. I don't know. And... Uh, Anyway, we had a lot of fun. I'm thankful for my brother. My brother got saved about, I think he was about 21 when he got saved. About a couple of years later, he started taking me to church. And he came pick me up, and I'm thankful for that. And I praise the Lord for that. And so, he's all right. He's all right. Would you do this with me, please, tonight? Would you turn to 1 Kings chapter 21? 1 Kings chapter 21 I'm going to read a few verses here, and we'll get into the message tonight. 1 Kings chapter 21. If you're able, would you stand for the reading of the Word of God? 1 Kings chapter 21. The Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab the king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Nabal, saying, Give me the vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it and money. And Nabal said unto Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give thee the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. And Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and he turned away his face and would eat no bread. Why don't we pray just quickly here. Father, I've heard it said before and I love the way it was Worded, and I think it even of myself right now. I think of this when an individual said, I, w- I would love it if the Lord Jesus here were to preach this. How wonderful that would be! And Lord, but I'm here tonight, and you've obviously allowed this. And uh, Lord, you're going to speak through your word just as powerfully as any other way and other, any other means. And I ask you to do that tonight. God, you have a word for us tonight. You have encouragement for us tonight. You have, you, you have maybe some rebuke for us tonight. And God, we desperately need you. And we ask you to do that work. We ask you for the work of the Holy Spirit in every heart here. God, I want to ask you just to bind and rebuke Satan and demons and, and command them to be gone from this place. 
that the word isn't allowed to be snatched away. And Father, when the time comes, as you prompt us, that we would respond to you, however you have spoken to us, we would respond before we leave this place. And Lord, we glorify, glorify you for what you do tonight. We're looking forward to it. Thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. I don't know what it's like down here as much as I do know what it's like in the Ozarks. And i got to tell you about fishing and hunting. I'm not opposed to fishing and hunting at all. I, I, just, I just don't have the attention span to sit in the woods for 34 hours waiting for a deer to come out. And, uh, and when we hunt, it's cold. And I think anything below 60 degrees is wintertime. And so I'm not going out and hunting deer, okay? And so I did it one time, 1993, first and last time. And I sat in the woods. I said, man, there's a thousand things I could be doing right now. And I found them. And I didn't go back to that. Not opposed to blasting Bambi, not at all. But uh, I just, I just, I'm fine. But I don't know what it, what it is really down here. But I know at home, if you have things out by the road, essentially if you don't have a sign posted on them, leave it alone, it's fair game. Now, I know some people live with their couch in the front yard and things like that. I get it, okay? But sometimes if, if you want it to stay there, you need to let people know, this is mine. It's, it's not for sale. I'm not, not getting rid of it, all right? I put trash out one day in our little town that we lived in, and I, I brought it out of my shop in a wheelbarrow because I had a trash can and a wheelbarrow. I brought it out. I set it out by the road. I left it in the wheelbarrow because I don't know why, but I did. And I later off on the trash came, and I realized my wheelbarrow was gone. And uh, I was driving down Center Street, little you know, little town of about 1,400, driving down Central Street, and uh, noticed my wheelbarrow in this person's front yard. So I got out of my truck and went and got my wheelbarrow and put it back in my truck and went on with it. And I, what I, what I'm serious now, I'm serious. And what I realized was I should have put something on there like, like uh, you know, not trash. Okay, or, or, or not for sale or something like that, all right? My, my cousin was, was stationed down in Corpus Christi in the uh, early 1980s. Hurricane came through, and somebody gave him a boat out of a marina that uh, no, nobody came back to claim after the hurricane. So he dragged that thing all, all the way up to Missouri, and it sat on, the, uh, on my grandparents' farm for, I'm telling you, if, if you gave directions for 20 years, you could say, you know where the boat is on Highway 39? Yeah. Right by there. And that boat, I'm sure, that boat sat out there and people would come to the farmhouse and say, hey, you want to sell the boat? And we'd have to say, no, it's not for sale. It's not for sale. It's not for sale. It's not for sale. You know, sometimes people will put a sign on something that has value to it that they want, but they don't want to sell it because, listen, they don't want to talk about it anymore. They've already made up their mind. They made up a decision that it's not for sale. They want to keep it. So they put a sign up there that says not for sale. Now, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the person of Ahab in our text tonight. And we know all about Ahab. I don't think in this church I need to spend a lot of time in background with Ahab. I, I imagine you're probably pretty well aware of, of what Ahab did and who he was. But we know this. He was a wicked king. He had a more wicked wife than even he himself. And he had no desire for the things of God. If you'd look at chapter 21, turn over a page, or however many you need to, and look over at verse 25 and 26. And the Bible says this, But there was none like unto Ahab, 
which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. Young men, marry in the Lord. Young lady, marry in the Lord. Absolutely. His wife stirred him up. He had no desire for God. And when we come to this point in chapter 21, Ahab has really, he has suffered a few losses. Remember, remember Elijah on Mount Carmel? Remember that whole event? That was pretty exciting, wasn't it? The prophets of Baal showed up. The prophets of Jezebel showed up. And uh, the fire came down and, and uh, Ahab ran home. The rain started again. He ran home and tell, told Jezebel, I'm sure, all about the excitement that happened. And I would love to have heard that conversation. You know, it's like, so where are the prophets anyway? I don't, well, you know. They're gone. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it, right? They'll be all right. right. No, he he suffered a loss there at Mount Carmel. And then just shortly after that, he went out uh, and God gave great victory over Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria. But then he turned right around and made a league with Ben-Hadad. And uh, look what what the prophet said in verse 42 to to, uh, Ahab about this. Look at verse 42 of chapter 20. Just before you come into chapter 21. Verse 42 says, And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Because thou hast let go out of thine hand a man whom I appointed unto utter destruction, therefore thy life shall go for his life, and thy people, uh, and his people, I'm sorry, and thy people for his people. And the king of Israel went to his house heavy and displeased and came to Samaria. And we see here that Ahab said, uh, suffered through two big defeats in his life. And I, I know I know what we're told. We, you don't want to read into the Bible what's not there. And I understand that. And I'm going to do that actually. Because <laughs> I'm not supposed to. But, but, but I just, here's what I wonder. I kind of wonder, I wonder if it's, if, if perchance, that Ahab was just, uh, just trying to soothe his losses. Maybe, maybe he's trying to make up for a couple of losses that he had. Maybe he's trying to, you know, you, you know, you have a bad day, so you go out and you get a $5 frap or whatever, you know, and it's way too much money, but it made you feel better, and you, now you have all this caffeine and you're feeling really good, and you just soothe some losses that you have. Does anybody do that? Anybody? Yeah. Well, Ahab, wait, Ahab didn't go out for a kappa, whatever, for Chino. He didn't go out for that. <laughs> he went out for a vineyard instead. He's looking out the window of his palace, and he sees a really nice vineyard that Naboth owns. And he thought, boy, that looks nice. My brother and I got the opportunity to go to, go to Israel on the, the 19, uh, in uh, January of 2019, my wife was, was seriously worried about us together in Israel. and Because uh, I had some things I wanted to do that were probably not good. I'll tell you about them later if you want to know, because it's probably, probably videoed here. And, uh, but we went to Naboth's Vineyard. We went up to Tel Jezreel. What a beautiful area that is there on the foothills of Mount Gilboa. And you overlook the valley there and it's just a stunning, stunning uh, setting that is there. And we went up to the top of Tel Jezreel and here we are. And, and the tour guide takes you through and he says, here is this, this flat area that we believe was Ahab's palace. 
And you can see over here, I mean, it's not, it's not more than 50 yards away. And you see this flat spot right on the edge of the mountain there. And you see the, the rock troughs running through the ground in the, in the, in the square uh, like pools in the ground where they would crush the grapes. And it would go down through these troughs and go out into the juice and things like that. It was, it was incredible to stand there and think, I, I, I'm, I'm standing here where, where Naboth's vineyard was. And it, it is a beautiful Beautiful, beautiful place. It was very close to the palace. And so Ahab's looking out the window. And he thought, I like that. Comes down to Naboth and he said, tell you what, I'll buy it from you. Look at verse 2 in our text. I just read this. Ahab spake unto Naboth saying, give me the vineyard that it may have it for a garden of herbs. Or if you're Canadian, herbs. Because it is near unto my house. And I will give it thee for a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. So he came and he gave him an offer. And I'm telling you, the offer wasn't bad. It was a fair offer. He really wasn't trying to steal the vineyard from him at all, was he? He said, I'll either give you another one, or I'll give you what it is worth. Okay? He wasn't stealing the thing. But we see Naboth says, no, I'm not going to do that. Now notice this. Ahab, I want you to notice that this is something interesting about, about Ahab's character. After Carmel, he runs back to, back to, back to the palace, which is, is interesting to me why he did that. And there's some other things I have no time to get in tonight. But you notice he accepted the rejection. He said, okay. I mean, he was mad about it. He went home and pouted. Look at this. He put his face to the wall. This is the king of Israel. And his wife had to come in and say, what's wrong with you? Naboth wouldn't give me the vineyard. I mean, that's pretty pathetic. I don't know. I don't know if you read that into there. I see just a pathetic state there. But, uh, but, but, but Naboth, or, uh, Naboth says no. And so Ahab goes on his way and goes home licking his wounds. Look at verse 4. Ahab came to his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid himself down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. He lost his appetite. I'm just interjecting here, okay? This is his third loss. Carmel. Then Hadad, and now this Naboth, a nobody. Yeah. And so he wasn't going to go after him. He wasn't going to pursue him. He could have. But I do know this. Ahab knew the law. He knew the law. Jezebel didn't. She was a pagan. She had no concern for the Word of God. She had no concern for the law. And Jezebel comes along and look, look what she asked in verse 5. Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said unto him, Why is thy spirit so sad and that thou eatest no bread? How, I mean, how bad could it be that you've lost your appetite? He said, Because I spake unto Naboth the Jezreelite and said unto him, Give me the vineyard for money or else if it please thee, I'll give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, Does thou not govern the kingdom of Israel? Hello? You're a pretty powerful dude, right? You, you can do whatever you want, pretty much. And she says, So get up and eat bread. 
all's well. I'm going to fix it for you. Yeah. Kind of weird with the first question, aren't you the king of Israel? Obviously not, right? Do you realize Ahab never told her, no, don't do that? He didn't say that. He said, okay. <laughs> Sounds good. So what does she do? You know the story. She finds a bunch of false witnesses. They bring Naboth to trial. The accusation, accusation is given against Naboth. They take men of Belial and bring them in. Some of the basest men you could find in society, the biggest lowlifes you could find in society, and they brought them in. Sounds familiar. Anyway, government has all sorts of people. Um, and they brought him in. They lied about him. Look at verse 9, would you please? i got to move along here. And she wrote in the letter saying, Proclaim a fast. Oh, isn't that religious? And set Naboth on high among the people, and set two men, sons of Belial, before him, and bear false witness, and bear witness against him, saying, Thou didst blaspheme God and the king, and then carry him out and stone him that he may die. And it's exactly what they do. They bring him up, false accusations, they take him out, they stone him, and he's dead. And she says, now go tell Ahab it's his. He can come take it. I got it all worked out for you. Wow. Obviously, Ahab was a very weak man. Hey, let me say this. Do you know that virtue requires strength? Do you know to live a virtuous life, young man, old man, young, young lady, not so young lady, do you know to live a virtuous life? You know, no, it's not a pathetic pansy that lives a virtuous life. It is a strong individual with a lot of grit and a lot of determination that will say no to what's wrong. Don't let them lie to you to think a virtuous life is, is something of, of what weaklings do. No, the weakling says yes to everything. And Ahab was a weak man. But you notice, I, he, notice this though. Naboth was a stubborn man. Now, when you think of stubbornness, I think of, you remember when Samuel went to Saul. And in 1 Samuel 15, 23, the Bible says how, how it says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as idolatry. And we see here that... Uh, some of you, don't get ahead of me because you're going to get irritated. Okay, don't get irritated yet. Naboth's stubbornness cost him his life. It cost him his family. His family is now fatherless. His wife is a widow. It cost them their land. It cost them a lot. Now, I don't know if you can picture this in your mind. I like doing this when I read the Bible. But I, I don't know if you can picture in your mind what it would have been like for Naboth to have been brought up. And I, I wonder what was going through his mind. I wonder what he was thinking as he was brought out. He knows he's about to be stoned. I don't know if his family was around him. I don't know if his wife and his children were there. I don't know what he saw. But could you imagine for a piece of ground, for a piece of land, for a vineyard, for, a, for, for dirt and grapes and vines, he's going to his death 
And he's looking out, no doubt, at his wife and children and family. I wonder what he was thinking. Is it worth it? No, I wonder if what's going through his mind as the rocks are coming on him, if what's going through his mind is who's going to take care of my children? Who's going to take care of my wife? What is going to happen now with them that they have no land to, to dwell in and now that this, this wicked king is taking it? Uh, you wonder if that went through his mind through the process where at some point in, his, in this whole process that he might have come along and said, time out, just tell you what, just take it, just take it. Goodness, it's not worth this. Somebody could say that stubbornness cost him everything. But was it stubbornness? Do you know why Naboth went to his death? Conviction. Conviction. Not stubbornness. Conviction. You know, what his, you, know what his, you know what his conviction was based upon? Look at chapter 21. Look at verse 3. And Naboth said to Ahab, he looked at the king. Hold on. The king, I said, knew the law. He looked at the king and look what he said. The Lord forbid it me. You know what he said? God said no. Well, where did God say no? Leviticus 25, 23 through 28. You can go look it up. God said no. In Deuteronomy 19, uh, I've got them written down. De- Deuteronomy 19.4, Deuteronomy 27.17, Proverbs 22.8, uh, Proverbs 23.10. Hey, no, if they had land and they got into bad money troubles, yes, they could sell the land to family and they could buy it back in the, or the year of Jubilee, it went back to them, but they were not to get rid of their land. It was their inheritance from God. God told them, no, you don't sell it. You know what Naboth said, actually? (laughs) Not for sale. The land's not for sale. Why? You You know what he was really saying, actually? The Word of God's not for sale. Yeah. No, Ahab was for sale. Sure, but look at... God even made sure he told us about it. Look at 21, chapter 20. Look at verse 20. And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I have found thee. I have found thee. Look at this. Because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. No, Ahab sold himself. But Naboth went to his death because he would not sell out the word of God. Nothing's changed today, has it? <laughs> Nothing's changed. Right? The, the world wants us to sell out. Our government wants us to sell out. Oh, they would love that. Yeah. Hath God said? Satan is constantly wanting us to sell out. It would be good for us to get it down. I think some of you probably have this down. I'm sure you do. But can I tell you, Satan will never stop. He's never going to stop. You, you really think you're going to get a reprieve? 
Well, if I just get here in my Christian life, if I just get here, if I just get... No, you're not going to ever get a reprieve, friend. He's never going to stop. Actually, the closer you get to God, He's going he's to turn the screws down. He's going to turn it up, isn't He? Yeah. And listen, and we're going to deal with opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to sell out. You know what I was thinking about this? I think there's some things, and I, I'm talking mainly among independent Baptists, I think there's some things we need to remind ourselves that aren't for sale. I think it'd be good to visit a few things. And just, just for you, I did this for you, okay? I wrote down a few. I've got 34 things written down here for you. <laughs> oh, ask anybody who knows me. I can talk that long, don't worry. Can I tell you something? I, 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 seriously, I don't want an amen button. I, I'm really not, I'm not going for that, I'm not. I'm just telling you what the truth is. Our, our Bible's not for sale. Yeah, it's not for sale. Oh, I, I know ESV is the, is the cool Bible now. If you're a cool cat, you got an ESV. You know what I had somebody just tell me the other day? Well, it is, it is translated off the received text, whatever. And it is, it is just so close to the King James. Well, fine, use the King James. Why don't you want to do that? Why don't you want to do that? Well... People think I'm a wild-eyed fundamentalist. I tell, you know, I go ahead and tell people that just to break the ice. I said, yeah, we're one of those wild-eyed fundamentalists. You know? No, the book's, the book's not for sale. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Hey, either we have it today or we don't. Yeah. Sounds like you agree. I'll go on. That's great. Our music's not for sale. Isn't it amazing that the world, the world never comes to us and asks us how to do music? They never do a seminar with us and say, well, what do you think we ought to do with our music? No, but for some weird reason, churches love to run to the world and ask them how to do music. You know one of the biggest things that's missing in music today? The Bible says that God is worshipped in the beauty of His holiness. And you watch this. Beauty is gone from music. It's not beautiful. This was beautiful tonight. What a blessing. Bless my heart. Thank you for that. It was beautiful. Yeah. Beats and taps and nicks and all sorts of noises. No melody, no harmony. Yeah. You can't even, oh, we could go on about words, but you know what? They like to argue what the words are wonderful. Can I remind you this? When revival came under Hezekiah, when revival came under Josiah, Hezekiah was 250 years after King David. They said that when revival came and they opened up the temple again and they started the music program again, they said that they brought back the instruments of David, the man of God. 250 years later, you know what they did? They went back to the old stuff. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Separation. Oh, that's a bad one. Separation. Ecclesiastical separation. Can I tell you something? Zwingli, Luther, Calvin. Hey, we're not Protestants. We, hey, we, didn't pro, we weren't protesting before the Reformation, or I should say we were being butchered before the Reformation, during the Reformation, after the Reformation. We are not Reformers. I don't get these Baptists that are putting Reformed on their church. They obviously are absolutely fully ignorant of Baptist history. Can I, oh, let me tell you this. Here's a great little tidbit. You know what Martin Luther even said? He said the Anabaptist should be exercised with the sword. Yep. 
No, there's a reason why we separate. There's a reason why, listen, why those of us who name ourselves Baptists who have the same identifying marks as the church that Jesus started, there's a reason why we separate from these others. You know what? I'm sorry, uh, I can't yoke up with somebody baptizing babies. Oh, I I know, I love this one. Well, it's all of grace, it's all of grace, but you're baptizing a baby to merit grace so that God will have favor on your child and save them. Well, there's your work again. Wow, weird how that came full circle. No, we're bad. No, no, listen, not for sale. The church that Jesus started is not for sale. He said, listen, he said, he said, it, it will be here. The gates of hell will not prevail against it, which means what? When he comes back, it's going to be here. And say, hey, it's just like the Bible. If, 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 the, if the word of God is forever settled in heaven, it's either here or it's not. Can I tell you this? If Jesus said my church is going to be here, it's either here or it's not. It was started, bef- it started way, way before Wesley. It started way before Knox and Calvin and Luther and all of these others. Amen. Jesus said, I'll build my church. That word ecclesia there, did you know that was a common word? He didn't make up a new word. Jesus said, I'll build my ecclesia. I'll build my called out assembly. What, it's going to be like nothing else out there. It's my church. And I, I love this. It's still here. It is. But you know it's not for sale. The church isn't for sale. The preaching of the gospel isn't for sale. This is what we've been given to do. He said to the church, he told his church, go out into, the, into, the, into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That was a command given to the church. Yes, Israel has been put on the shelf. Yes, the, the car has been put in the garage. He's going to deal with them later. But the, the, the new vehicle is the church of Jesus Christ. And we are to go out and to preach the gospel to the whole world. That is the point. That's what we're supposed to do. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The good news. Amen. It's not for sale. We don't need to water down. You know this. I I know. I love it. I just want to remind you. I want to encourage you tonight. Don't sell out. Don't sell out on person-to-person evangelism. Face-to-face evangelism. Don't sell out on the preaching of the gospel. Jesus sent them out. He sent them out. He sent them out. I think we need to have a big sign on the Word of God again. It just says not for sale. Yeah. Would you go to death for that? Would you go to your death for that? You don't have to answer out loud. No, friend, this isn't just a, a fun story. Throughout history, those saints of God before us literally went to their death for truth. Because they wouldn't sell the word of God. And listen, we, we, we have, quote, independent fundamental Baptists out there selling out everywhere. It's mind-boggling. I asked an old preacher one day, he's become a great friend. And I asked him one day, he's in his early 70s. I said, what is with these independent Baptist preachers that have preached against the Southern Baptist Church for 40 years and now they're pastoring them when they retire? What is the deal? You know what he told me? He said, brother, they never believed it in the first place. Bandwagon Christianity. It was easy to be a part of it. When it got hard and you had to throw the sign in the ground that said not for sale, they sold out. 
you know what I'm thankful? I'm thankful that the days of bandwagon Christianity are over. I really am. Because now, now you can really see who's serious. And listen, this here tonight, this is a blessing. You don't know how much this is a blessing to see a full building like this on a Wednesday night. Yeah. It's going to take a life fenced in by the Word of God, by biblical conviction, to survive in these days. He's never going to stop. Proverbs 23, what does it say? Buy the truth, sell it not. We have everything in us to stand against the constant barrage of the enemy. So why do some people sell truth? Maybe it's an easier life. Friend, this life isn't easy. Yeah. Do, you ladies, do you ladies like laboring, shopping, just trying to dress right? It's not easy. Right? It's a hard life. It's a difficult life. Some people just want the easier life. Yeah. Do you like always saying no to, your, to, to kids because of society and where they're going and where they're pulling them and it just seems like all you ever do is say no at times? But you can't sell truth either just to get an easier life. Some want a smoother road. Listen, some, some end up getting an affinity with the world. Demas, having loved this present world, hath left me. Yeah. It happens. Sometimes it happens just because you fall out of love with Jesus. It's just that simple. Yeah. So let me make a little application here tonight and you can go to the house. How's that? Will you, will, will you live by conviction even if fellow believers don't? Will you live by conviction? Oh, listen to this one. Even if your children don't. Yeah. Because sometimes that happens. What about if your closest friends walk away? Will you live by conviction? The ones you scratch your head over and you say, what happened? Will you, no, I'm talking to you personally, individually, everybody. You're going to answer the question for yourself. Will you drive the stake into the ground with a sign that says, not for sale? Naboth did. Yeah. He absolutely did. Why? Because God's right. We're not just trying to fight to be, uh, you know, to be better than the other. It's, it's because the word, the word of God's true. Jesus is real. The relationship is real. Right? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Not for sale. Let's do this tonight. Let's determine. Maybe the Holy Spirit of God has put something on your mind right this moment. Maybe throughout the message somewhere, the Holy Spirit of God has put His finger on something in your life. You haven't sold out yet, but you've been questioning. You've been wondering. You've been getting, hey, you've been getting tired, tired of the fight, tired of the battle, you're getting weary. The other life's looking easier. Maybe tonight the Holy Spirit of God has put His finger upon something you know you haven't sold out yet, but you could. Would you do this tonight?
Would you just get alone with God and drive that stake in the ground again tonight and just say, no, it's not for sale. Maybe you have. Maybe you're looking back at your life and there's something that God said, don't go there, and you have. Can I tell you, you can come into repentance tonight and get that right and buy it back. Would you do that tonight? However God has spoken to you tonight. Listen, if you're there and there's not a thing in your life, you're you're just fighting the fight and, and, and loving the ride. Would you just get alone with the Lord tonight and ask Him to help you? Keep your eyes wide open because it's so subtle, isn't it? Our Father, thank you for this.